When we came here, as I say, almost uh, two years ago, I never expected that I was going to be here sharing with you. And I want to tell you a little bit how it came about because some of it is a little humorous. Um, one day, uh, not, not too long ago, several weeks ago, someone said to me, if Pastor Rich ever asked you to, to bring a message, would you do it? I said, yes, I would do it. They said, you would? <laughs> and I said, yes. I said, I figured um, if Pastor Rich asked me to do that, it wouldn't be something he flippantly would just say, oh, will you, I'm, I'm going to be out of town. Would you, would you preach in my behalf? He would have given it some serious thought and prayed about it before he did that. So uh, I would do that. Plus, I said, I'm constantly praying about what God would have me to do. If he has something for me, I want to do it. So then, about a week later, I was talking with Pastor Rich. I don't remember if it was over lunch or over the phone or what. He said to me, I want you to uh, consider something. Would you consider being on a team of men who would be available to fill in and, and preach uh, if I'm away, if there's a need? And I said, it's funny you should say that. And I said, just a week ago, someone said this to me. And I repeated to him what I was asked. And he said, I assure you, I did not consult with anyone before I asked you this. But he said, I would take that as confirmation. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. So then, um, as I was thinking about that, um, he, uh, he asked me one day, how, how long do you think it would take you to, to prepare uh, to, to speak? And I said, well, it's funny you should say that. I said, I remember, uh, some of you will remember our departed brother, Bill Kinnaman. Um, to me, he was always a giant in my eyes. Uh, I tell people when he came into the room, his presence would just fill the room. He was that kind of a guy. And he was, to me, a, a, a refreshing blend of uh, sense of humor and serious discussion. He was, uh, to me, a well-rounded person. But I remember him saying to me one time, he said, if somebody, uh, um, this was in regards to uh, Pastor Rich asking me how long it would take to, for me to prepare. Bill Kinnan said, well, if you ask me to speak for, um, for 15 minutes, he says, uh, it would take me three months to prepare. If you ask me to speak for 30 minutes, then it'll take me two months to prepare. If you want me to speak for an hour and a half, I'm ready right now. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. So Rich says to me, you're not really answering my question. <laughs> I said, okay, well, I will, I will give it some, some thought, some serious thought. So uh, I've been thinking about what he asked me, and then... Uh, one day, he calls me on my cell phone and says, well, um, so how long uh, could, you, could you be ready to uh, preach uh, two weeks from today? And I thought, well, okay, I'll be ready. And the only reason I could say that was I had already been thinking about some things just from my own uh, spiritual growth and some, some things that I had learned over the years. So... Uh, I said I would, and um, 
I, I thank the Lord uh, for the opportunity. It reminds me of a story that I uh, heard. Uh, this, this young man had uh, been to Bible school, and he had been uh, to seminary, and uh, he was going to preach for the first time at a church that was looking for a pastor. So he, he called a professor that he knew from seminary, and he told him he was going to be preaching at this uh, church. Uh, they were looking for a pastor. He said, do you have any uh, suggestions or things that would, would help me uh, prepare for this? He said, well, I would, I would suggest three things that your message should contain. He said, because when people come to, to a church, some people are hurting. We don't know what they've come through in the, in the past week or months. Some people are hurting. And so your message has to have an element of comfort because some people are looking for comfort. And uh, because some people are kind of complacent about the things of God. They're not really serious about God and the Bible and following Christ. And so your message has to have an element that's moving, something that will stir people. And then because you want to leave something with them that they can take away, it needs to be satisfying. So after he preached, his uh, professor called him to ask him how things went. He said, well, I know my, my message was comforting. I remembered what you told me. I know it was comforting because some people fell asleep. <laughs> and I know it was moving because some people got up and left. And I know it was satisfying because they never asked me to come back again. <laughs> So uh, we'll see what happens, <laughs> happens here today. <laughs> Someone told me whenever you're going to pass on information or have, have an opportunity to teach, and I ran it by uh, Justin, and uh, he was already familiar with it. And if you're in the teaching profession or have done some teaching, you probably already heard this. But I thought it was a good rule of thumb. So the first thing... Is you, I was told uh, you tell tell them what you're going to tell them. Then you tell them. Then you tell them what you told them. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to follow that. that uh, hopefully that's what we're going to do. And uh, for a topic, uh, if I was going to have a title, I would, it would be getting a handle on the Word of God. Getting a handle on the Word of God. I want to share with you a passage in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in, uh, to begin with. When I first became a Christian, uh, you probably know what version of the Bible everybody was using. What do you think? Exactly. <laughs> it was the King James Version. And usually... Um, you change translations according to where you go to church. If the pastor is using a King James, you use a King James because it's easier to follow. Well, then uh, you go to another place and it's, they're, they're using the New American Standard. So you change. You, know, you don't like following a King James New American Standard, so you go get a New American Standard. Then they're using the uh, New International Version. So I have a, a bunch of different translations just like you do in, in your home. But this passage in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 I thought was interesting. Starting in verse 4. 
Listen, O Israel. Now I'm reading from what's called the uh, New Living Translation. When I first heard about this, I thought it was just a living Bible uh, redone, but it's not. It's, it's actually another translation. It's called the New Living. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now, this is what I like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of say it in the King James. He says, uh, you're to teach them diligently to your children. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you're to teach them diligently to your children in all these times and events. It pretty much covers everything. One day, um, my son and I were walking. Uh, I said, Joel, do you want to go with me to go get the mail? Uh, we have to walk down a dirt road and the mailbox is out there. So he's walking with me. And he picked up a stick. He was into sword fighting. I had made swords for Joel and a couple of his friends. And uh, they used them a lot. They finally just kind of broke. And so he was always picking up a, a stick or something to sword fight with. So we, we walked down. Oh, I think it came from, uh, remember Princess Bride, that movie? My name in Digo Montoya. You kill my father, prepare to die. And we always liked that, that, that line. So he's picking up a stick. And there's a, there's a dirt pile beside the road. Uh, we have to fill in our own potholes. So he was sword fighting with the dirt pile. So I walked a little further, and I got the mail, and I came back, and he's still sword fighting with the dirt pile. And uh, so I walked by him and went around the bend. I waited, and I know he saw me, and uh, he didn't follow me, so I called him, Joe, and he didn't come. So I went back. He was still sword fighting with the dirt pile. I said, Joe, did you hear me call you? He said, I heard you a little bit. I said, well, if you heard me a little bit, that's all you needed to hear. I, and I said this to him. I said, Joel, someday God may want to call you to do something, and you want to be listening for his little voice. Don't wait till God has to use his big voice to get your attention. Listen to, for the little voice of God. And that was my first, uh, and that, of course, brought back to me the Deuteronomy chapter 6 about teaching God's principles, his truth, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Teach God's principles. Do you remember um, the uh, instance where the, the Pharisee, uh, not the Pharisee, the Sadducees, they came to Jesus in Mark chapter 12, and they present him <clears throat> with a situation uh, they, they, it's, do you remember who the Sadducees were? Say that again. Yeah. Yes. Maybe you didn't hear that. Uh, somebody said uh, part of uh, what the Sadducees believed or didn't believe, I guess you could say, they did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. That's what she said. 
So they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they come up to Jesus and they say, we got a question for you, Jesus. There's this woman. She was married to a man. And uh, <clears throat> he died. And uh, his brother married her. And he died. Up to seven brothers. Seven brothers married her because the previous one had died. And they say to him, in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? Remember what Jesus said? He said, you are in error because you don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. Error comes from not knowing the scriptures. These guys didn't even believe in the resurrection. Why are they asking a question like that? In the resurrection, who's she going to belong to? Funny how we work. But he said, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. So it, it behooves us, I don't usually use that word, strike that. <laughs> it's important for us <laughs> to know the scriptures. Because by not knowing them, we're subject to error. When I first became a Christian, <clears throat> uh, I was attending a Bible study, I was in the Air Force, and I was talking to this guy, and I, I, I thought the Apostle Paul was one of the 12 apostles. I, I better be careful because there may be some of you here today that still think that. I thought, you know, Apostle Paul, he's, he's got to be one of the 12 apostles. And this guy looked at me and kind of frowned. He says, no, no, Paul wasn't one of the 12 apostles. What do you mean? He says, is that your Bible there? Let me see your Bible. He took my Bible and showed me from my Bible where the Apostle Paul used to be called Saul. He was a persecutor of the church. And he became a believer, and from then on, he was called Paul. It was like the lights went on. I'm never going to forget that. Some, someone uh, showed me, uh, corrected me in uh, showing me the truth of, of that matter. So error comes from not knowing uh, God's word. <clears throat> There's a verse in um, Colossians 3.16. The verse in Colossians 3, there's a verse, it's, it's Colossians 3.16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Richly dwell within us. God wants his word to richly dwell within us. And this is uh, kind of where I want to go uh, with us today by, by sharing an illustration with you. Uh, this, now, this may be a little tough to do. I, I want to do a little uh, intera interactive uh, time here, but I'll need some help from, from some of you who are, are willing to help. If you've ever been to a sporting event or viewed football, basketball, what are the, what's usually sung at the beginning? National anthem. Does anybody here know the national anthem? First verse, the national anthem. All right. Who, who's willing to stand up and say the first verse of the national anthem? Okay, would you do that, Billy Bob? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a little more to it. And, Billy, I believe you know what it is. But see, what I did was I ask you to say the words. 
Now this, is, this is, was interesting to me the first time somebody uh, pointed this out to me. You know that uh, left brain, right brain thing where supposedly the left part of your brain controls the right side of your body, the right side of your brain controls the left side of your body. Um, there are some people who stutter. You probably know somebody who stutters. And I was told the reason people stutter is because both sides of their brain have developed pretty much equally. So when they try to say certain words, their lips will tremble for a little while. Until one side dominates, then the word will come out. But this is what I found interesting. A person who stutters does not stutter when they sing. There, there's a country singer. I don't know who he is. I actually checked this out because I knew someone in church who stuttered, and I, I deliberately stood next to this person. We sang together, and I thought, no stuttering going on here. Um, excuse me. All right. Where was I? Stuttering. Stuttering. Yes. I found this out <clears throat> also. My, my, my late wife... Um, had a brain tumor. And um, uh, she died after a year of having surgery and, and treatments and all. But while she was, when she was in the hospital, um, it got to the point where um, they, they told us at the beginning that this kind of a tumor uh, generally grows back. There's, there's uh, some cells that they don't see, and it grows back. And it did. And it got to the point where uh, she, uh, the, the doctor took me aside one day and said, you know, this is really serious. It, it could stop her heart. It could stop her breathing. She could lose her sight. Well, well at this one point, she couldn't talk anymore. She, was, uh, she got where she just couldn't talk. I went to visit her in the hospital. I took the hymn book with me. We sat in her bed, and we sang. We sang songs. She could sing, but she couldn't talk. Because music, uh, getting back to Billy over here, music is stored in the midbrain. Somewhere back there is something called the midbrain. That's where music is stored. What Billy was trying to do, he, was, he went to the wrong filing cabinet to try to find that song. I tricked you. <laughs> he went to the filing cabinet, uh, but not the one that had the, the music stored in it. Music is stored in the midbrain. Colossians 3.16 again. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The way it was explained to me is God wants his word to be in us so that it comes to us like music does. So we don't, when we're faced with a situation, what, is God, what does God's word say to do in this situation? If it's dwelling in me richly, I will respond from what it's saying in my heart. Now, the, the, the thing I want to get to now is a little, we're talking about getting a handle on the Word of God. Handle meaning knowing how to use this, where to find certain things in the Bible. We've all had this happen, uh, either in a conversation with somebody, and you know there's some place in Scripture that addresses this, but you don't know where it is. You can't find it. 
But um, maybe this little illustration will help you. What's the easiest way to know what's in the Bible? Read it. Something easier than that. <laughs> Table of contents. All right. For the sake of illustration, your hand. I thought about having a, a handout to pass to everybody or something up on the board with a hand on it. But you can always have your hand with you. This is the easiest way to, to know what's in the Word of God is to hear it. We, this is what we're doing today. Hearing it. Then what's the next easiest way? Read it. Okay? Hear it. Read it. Then the next one is to study it. And then the next way is to memorize certain key passages. And then the thumb represents meditate on it. And this is what I want to talk to you about mainly today is this aspect of meditation. Something I believe that we as Christians don't do much of. I have to speak for myself. And that's why I've been thinking about this a lot lately. You see, when you're getting a grasp on the Word of God, you can use hear it, read it, study it, memorize it. But when you apply the meditation thumb, that's when you have a grasp on the Word of God, when you meditate. I would like you to look at the first psalm. I was uh, talking with my wife about this this morning, and uh, we were uh, looking at the first psalm. Psalm chapter 1. Now, again, you're going to be looking... I don't know, most of you use the NIV. Is that what you use? I'm going to give it to you in the King James again. It's the way I learned it. It starts off, it says, uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. See that word, Meditate in there. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Meditating on it day and night. Meditate. What does it mean to meditate on God's word? This is the thing I've been working on for the past several weeks. I've been looking at God's word, not seeing how much I could read, but pondering the scriptures and at, uh, trying to get as much out of it that's there. And I want to share another little illustration, A-E-I-O-U, when it comes to meditation. When we, went, when we meditate on the Word of God, A stands for ask questions. What was going on here when, when this was written? Who, who is speaking? What was the situation? Ask questions about the verse. E, A-E, stands for emphasize words. For God so loved the world. Emphasize a word in that. It changes the whole direction of what you're looking at. I stands for in your own words. If you were going to say that, how would you say it? In your own words. A-E-I-O stands for other scriptures. What do other scriptures have? Can you think of any other scriptures that sheds light 
on this passage that I'm meditating on. And U stands for use it. A-E-I-O-U. Now when we apply hearing it, reading it, studying it, memorizing, and then you take it home and you meditate on that on those uh, scriptures, you're, you're more apt to get a grasp of what it's really trying to say. I want to look at one more passage, and this is the Psalm, uh, Psalm 119, the 119th Psalm. And if you know anything about the Psalms, this is the longest Psalm. You probably knew that. But when I was looking at this psalm recently, I, I discovered, well, I, I'd noticed this before. You see how it's broken up into all these, uh, it, it's broken up into 22 sections because there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And each one, uh, the beginning of each one of these letters, um, that's how the, the paragraph begins. Now, you don't see it in English because we're thinking in Hebrew. The first letter is Aleph. And so the first eight verses begin with that letter in Hebrew. And then you have Beth, which is the second letter. And it's, it goes that way. There's eight verses. A letter, eight verses, a letter, eight verses. This is what I never noticed before is, is there's um, eight verses after each each letter. But the 119th Psalm, the, the beautiful thing about this is it's all about the Word of God. And you get a, a sense of what uh, the psalmist's heart is for the Word of God. And I want to point out just a few of them, what he says. Look at verse um, 23. Even princes sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your decrees. Verse 27. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. 48. I honor and love your commands, I meditate on your decrees. 52. I meditate on your age-old regulations. O oh Lord, they comfort me. And then the last one I want to look at, though it does not use the word meditate, I thought we need to look at this. This is uh, verse 97. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. So it involves thinking about God's words. Psalm uh, one, uh, 119, verses 9 and 11. It says, um, How shall a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. One way of combating the, the garbage and stuff that's constantly coming at us is to have God's word in our lives 
like Colossians 3.16 says, dwelling in us richly, richly. So if you, um, I want to encourage you, uh, let's put it this way, take, uh, take a month or so, if you uh, have a practice of having devotions in the morning, take Psalm 119 and go through that, eight, take eight verses and, and meditate on that for a day. And then next day, take the next uh, eight verses and meditate and see what that does in your life. Use the A-E-I-O-U. Ask questions. Emphasize words. Say it in your own words. What do other scriptures say about this? And then use it. And I think you'll see, this is why I'm encouraged to do this. I was practicing it before Pastor Rich ever asked me to share. And that's why I was, I was prepared. So today, we, uh, we looked at some passages that deal with God's word. I'm trying to think about what I said I was going to do. We, we, we told you what we were going to tell you. Uh, getting a handle on the word of God. We talked about the scriptures, some passages that reflect uh, the word and the importance of it. Told you what I was going to tell you. Told you. And now we're telling what when I told her, thank you. I have to be, be reminded of these things. In closing, I want to um, go back and, and uh, think through again on uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it talks about the things that I command you this day are to be in your heart, and you're to teach them diligently to your children when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And there's a poem that I want to sort of tie it together with, uh, if I may. Remember the parable uh, Jesus told about the, the shepherd has 99, uh, has 100 sheep in the fold. One of them gets lost, and he goes out, and he finds it, brings it back. This, little, this poem says this. It was a sheep, not a lamb, that went astray in the parable that Jesus told. It was a grown-up sheep that wandered away from the ninety and nine in the fold. And out on the hilltop and out in the cold, it was a sheep that the good shepherd sought. And back to the flock and back to the fold, it was a sheep that the good shepherd brought. Now, why should a sheep be so carefully fed and cared for even today? Because there's danger. If they go wrong, they will lead the lambs astray. The lambs will follow the sheep, you know, wherever they wander, wherever they go. If the sheep go wrong, it will not be long till the lambs are as wrong as they. So still with the sheep, we must earnestly plead for the sake of the lambs today. For if the lambs are lost, what a horrible cost the sheep will have to pay. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we've looked at your word this morning, hopefully gained a, in, an insight into where, the way you look at your word and the way the psalmist look at your word, looks at your word. And I pray that uh, if something from 
what we've shared this morning is going to be helpful and meaningful, then let it be. Otherwise, let it pass by the things that, that are not helpful. But we thank you for leaving your word with us and for trusting us to uh, share your word, to learn from it, to let it dwell, dwell richly in our hearts. And uh, we thank you for how we can see it working within us. Because when we responded to it for salvation, you met us right there, you forgave us, and you gave us new life. So I thank you for the privilege of sharing these thoughts with uh, your children from your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen.